we're back here on this week 13 edition of Inside Black Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. Make sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. I appreciate it. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you don't. What does that mean? Hopefully a okay. lucky week 13, right? Hopefully. Hopefully. And so this is going to be the mailbag edition. So let's 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 get into it. I've started a whole bunch of questions here. And let's start with All this right. one. Chris is your friend. Apparently, he follows me on Twitter. I don't know what his Twitter handle is. But he, he's mentioned that he talked to me on Twitter before. But, you know, so Chris, glad to have you. Says, Dennis is not going to make anything. As he said, he's, quote, okay with the guys in the locker room. And Andy is playing well enough. He's going to ride with Andy. You know, like, we, we've talked about this. He's going to ride with Andy. And I don't like it. <laughs> I would like to see Jameis. Like I said, like day one, I've kind of said, like, if this is going to go down in flames, I'd at least like to see Jameis drive it into the ground. Not not Andy Dalton, not the Hindenburg that is Andy Dalton. But, you know, I do think that Andy has played well enough to win. And I don't think that he's what's costing you games. Like he didn't throw an interception in that game. Like he didn't make any terrible mistakes that cost you points. Like that was on Alvin. So like I don't I think Bobby said this Bobby Abear said this and it was like yeah you could put Jameis in there and have him throw balls off people's faces too it wouldn't change anything and I think that's a good point like so yeah I mean I I think Da is gonna ride with Andy and, until the wheels fall off and you know, the wheels don't have any lug nuts left on them but yeah well, does it say something about that guy who's under center because I mean what Dalton's three and six now as a starter I think Andy has done a done a solid job I think that. Your expectations for him should have been around what you've got, right? Like he's moved the ball, he's been effective, he's run the offense well, and you know you kind of take it for what it is. But I, I will say, like, like with the comment that says, yeah, he's going to ride with Andy. I, I agree. There's no scenario that Jameis gets back in as the starter unless Andy Dalton gets hurt. And I'm not, you know, wishing for him to get hurt. I'm just saying Jameis is the backup. Right. He's made that commitment now. Yeah. Like that's as annoying as it is to say, I, like that's that's the read I have. You know, I would be surprised if Jameis is, is on the roster next year because I don't think the DA wants him as the starting quarterback. I just and I don't think he wants to answer the questions anymore. So Andy Dalton, it's it's Andy Dalton or bust. So just just get on board or Jameis Winston, come on down to Indianapolis. Yeah, no, I'd I'd like to see Jameis get a chance, and I'd I wish that chance could have come in New Orleans, but it's clearly not gonna. No, I agree. I don't. I don't. I fully don't expect him or Andy Dalton, honestly, to be on the roster this year. No matter what, what, whatever happens with this, you know, going forward with this team, I just think they need a, a new overhaul. Obviously, some young quarterback or someone experienced enough to lead the team, and then you're going to need. If you do get a young quarterback, you're going to have a veteran there. But I don't think it's going to be Andy Dalton, though. Someone's going to have to play. <laughs> <laughs> you still got Taysom. <laughs> you still always have Taysom. Taysom's never going to. Taysom is the uh, the infinity stone of the Saints. He's never going to leave. Unless Sean Payton happens to trade for him wherever he goes. I don't know. You know, I would like to see, like, I, I don't think Taysom's going to be a, a successful starting quarterback in the NFL, but I would like to see him get a chance, right? Like, the guy just wins games. And okay, he, he was 7-2 and two as a Saints starter. Just exactly. Saying. Exactly, and like that 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 number is a little skewed by the I know by the reality of what happened. But I'd like to see four. I, I really like Taysom. Like that's the thing. Like I don't I don't want to see Taysom as the starting quarterback of the Saints. I don't think that he's going to be better than Andy Dalton or Jameis. But like I really do like Taysom. I, I appreciate how selfless he has been for this team. 
For and sure. if you're if you are a Saints fan, you should feel that way because he has basically said, you know what, fine, I'm not going to be the starter, and I'm just going to do anything you ask of me. And you know, you have to give him credit for that. Like he has been a team player as much as you can be. Like you you like be honest with yourself and understand how frustrating that must be for a guy who very much wants to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. And instead he's been relegated to this like gadget, whatever, you know, and he hasn't complained, never complained once, you know, he just does his job. How do you not like that guy? Yeah. And Taysom expecting baby number two, congratulations to the Hill family. Uh, it, It was a little awkward. I don't know if you remember like week two or three when he explained how he was told about his role for this year and it, definitely didn't seem to to go as smoothly as maybe expected. It sounded very much like he found out through the media that he was not right. going to be a starting quarterback or that he wasn't going to be a quarterback on this team anymore. Right, and, not even uh, being considered for quarterback. Yeah, and it, and, it, and also later it sounded like Jameis found out very similarly that he was going to be benched or, you know, t- overtaken in the depth chart by Andy Dalton and like though like we people like to complain about Dennis Allen and all the things and decisions and everything that like is probably not his fault but it's like easy to just heap blame on the head coach and I understand it. Those are the things that that make me upset as someone who very much appreciates that these are humans and people. And it's like, you should at least give them the courtesy of a phone call before you go on a conference call or an interview and say, oh, by the way, this guy's losing his job. And so like, that's what bucks me. I think that Dennis has not handled injuries well, and I think he has not handled communication well, both to the media and within the locker room. And that's a, And those are both very good examples of that. That's actually one thing that Sean Payton said way back about the Saints ever being on hard knocks. And he's like, it's not going to happen. You're never going to see me cut a guy on camera. Yeah. No, well, right. And it's like, these are people. And that's what drives me nuts about going on Twitter and seeing people just trashing players and, you know, getting real personal with it. And it's like, these are guys, they, they, they say get hurt. They, they're not happy about it. Right. They, they want to play, you know, they get cut, they lose their jobs. And it's like, this is, these are emotional things. And I think the idea that they make a ton of money, so they don't have them, they don't have feelings and they don't care. It's like, that's ridiculous guys. Like, like stop. Well, it's like, that. Oh, he's not playing. He still gets to go home to his million dollar house. That's well, true. It's true. Like, I don't, I'm not disagreeing with that take, but like, it's the idea that these are like pieces on a chessboard and like they don't have, there's nothing into it other than why, how they played and why they, and why they played that way. Anyway, that's, that's where I am. Keeping it real, Who Dat Sports Podcast. I was actually on there um, uh, two weeks ago. Really good. Uh, go check it out. It says that game Sunday reminded me of the horrible 80s and 70s teams. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure they got sh- the Saints got shut out multiple times in the 70s and 80s. Because um, and it did feel that way. Like the offense, it, it, did, it felt like they could have played that game for eight quarters and they would have never gotten in the end zone. They might have been able to kick field goals, but they would have never gotten the end zone. And you have to give the 49ers credit. They played really well on the defensive side of the ball. But yeah, it did feel that way. Yeah, that Niners defense we knew was going to be tough. But again, too, like we talked about before, the things just don't go the Saints' way. And you have balls hitting guys in face masks or dropping into their hands after a fumble and not being able to haul it in is just uh, just the way that things have crumbled this season for the Saints. Yeah, his Chris is your friend. One again, defense played well enough to keep us in that game. I know Cam right. and Ty are mad at the offense right now. I assume that means Tyron Matthew. 
Yeah, it's got to be frustrating to go out there repeatedly. Like the 49ers only kicked a field goal in the in the second half. Like they didn't move the ball. If the Saints got in the end zone once, one time, that would have felt like a completely different game. And they couldn't do it. And uh, yeah, it's got to be frustrating for the defense because I thought that was one of the defenses, like probably second. I thought that was probably the second best game of the year behind the week two against the Bucks. Yeah, considering the weapons that that Niners team has, they did exactly. a really they, they did a great job. Yeah, like you didn't get like Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Eli no Mitchell. Right. None of those guys broke the game. Like none of those guys uh, wrecked the game on you. And uh, you know, and that's that's all you can ask your defense to do. And three of those points were gifted from Alvin Kamara. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they they held up about as well as you could. And then the, the one touchdown came on that kind of freak tip drill. So yeah, I, they still didn't. They still didn't force any turnovers, and not getting takeaways is my biggest gripe about this defense. Because once you get to week twelve, it stops being a luck thing, right? Yeah, I mean, we keep hearing, "Oh, they come in bunches." Well, <laughs> yeah, well, I've been waiting. <laughs> TikTok, right? When was the Matthews' last interception? I know he had one in London, and then after that was. Do you do you recall the other one? Was it against the Raiders? I think it was. I think it was a tip ball. I think Pete Warner tipped the ball and and Tyron got it against. And then the he Raiders. also had a chance for a pick six in that game, but dropped it. But yeah, they've had chances. There was a play in this game um, that I, I'm amazed it didn't end up in an interception. I think it was in the third quarter. David Onyemata got in, and it was like nearly a sack. And then the ball got tipped up. Oh no, no, no! I'm sorry. Uh, the ball got thrown off of David Onyemata's face. Like, like uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was like in the grasp and he threw it off of David Onyemata's face. It was almost like like a, the longest yard thing where he throws it off the guy's nuts, but instead he threw it off his face. And it actually, I think in the longest yard in the Adam Sandler one, he did throw it off the guy's head first or the, the helmet of a player. I don't know. I, moving on. But he threw it right off his helmet and just popped straight up in the air and everyone went for it. But then the 49ers player knocked it down. And it's like, can we catch a break here? Can we catch a break? Anyway. Nope. Not, not a single break will happen to this team this year. It's it's like I mean I think we've seen a few of those. There haven't been a ton, but there's been like those slow mo moments where the ball just seems to be hovering there, and the Saints aren't able to get to it. Yeah, it's just that this season is broken. We're just keeping it real. Who that sports podcast again? Teams take on the personality of their coach. No excuses. This team is just not responding. Why subject the organization and fan base to more of the same? Everyone is not head coaching material, and I think that's a good point. This team is playing very much like Dennis Allen's personality, and that is flat. Oof. You know what I mean? Like, like, like Dennis Allen isn't a fiery guy. I don't see this team as being a fiery team. Like, I don't think they get emotional. I don't think, you know, like, like I if you had to put a personality on this team and how they played this year, it would be very much Dennis Allen's personality of like the same every week, not too exciting, not not anything like crazy. Um, just not fun. Maybe that's why he he sticks with Andy Dalton because he's one of the worst, you know, guys at the podium. I, you know, no offense, I'm just <laughs> saying. Both boring. He's <laughs> Andy Dalton is just not interesting to listen to. <laughs> he's not. They're both they're both very boring people. So I mean, they sit in the room and it's like, yeah, <laughs> uh, they just they just jive. They, they understand each other. They speak in the same language. Oh man. This is Chris saying nice things. He says, whenever he misses our show, he always goes back on YouTube and listens and uh, listens to us talk football. I appreciate that a lot. I really do. Definitely. 
AK is an employee. You screw up. There needs to be consequences. Yeah. So I did think it was interesting. What, what does that mean? Well, so the second drive of that game, he didn't. He didn't get on the field. Right. Right. I, I know. I mean, I, but I'm I'm wondering, like, what do you mean by there needs to be consequences there? Right. For Camara, like, are you gonna find him? You know, like, I don't think there's been any basis for that in NFL history of a guy fumbling and you take his money. Um, and so, like, you want him on the field. Like, that's the problem. Like, if he's a, if he's Mark Ingram, maybe you do bench him. Maybe you do go to somebody else and you bring up David Johnson and you say, okay, you know, it's your job now. But, like, Alvin Kamara is a bona fide NFL superstar and you need him. And that's where it gets kind of frustrating because when right. they're not playing well, it's like, what do you do? You, you know, you're not going to be a better team if you don't keep Alvin on the field. So, yeah, to me, the consequences honestly need to come for not speaking to the media. But that's just me being, you know, well, a media he could member. get fined for that. I think if 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 anyone ever got the the urge to make a complaint to the NFLPA, like I'm sure he, somebody will. From I mean, because now Kamara has flat out come out and said that I'm not speaking due to my lawyer's advice, and I'm also not speaking on football matters. So. That's out there. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. No, and like you all remember, the, like I'm, I'm just here so I won't get fined. You know, the whole Marshawn Lynch thing. Yeah, like it's right. a rule. Like I'm, we're not just complaining. Like the players are are required in their contracts to make themselves available for media to talk to them, and so re- declining to do that is a finable offense. So I wouldn't be surprised if this continues over the rest of the season, if he does get fined, but it would require someone to to file a complaint with the, the NFLPA. And I don't know, uh, like I, I wouldn't even know the mechanics of doing that. Someone might, I bet we could find someone, but hopefully he just decides to talk. Like I said, with that out there now of him putting that out through the Saints, you know, media spokesperson, he's definitely lined himself up for a fine from the league. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that if that comes down in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Eric Howard, do y'all even talk to Jameis anymore? He does have a C on his jersey. Is he still a captain on this team? That is the weird thing, is he is a captain on this team. And he did speak to the media, uh, I think it was last week, maybe a week yeah. before. And he was open. You know, He told us like it's it pains him. It hurts his soul, right? It hurts his soul to not be in the game. And uh, you know, I thought he had a really good interview. He talked about how he, uh, you know, it's like, he talked to the coaches before the game in London and they said, you will not lose your job because you're hurt. But he sure feels like that's what happened. And I don't blame him because he did. Yeah. And going back to the whole, you know, sorry, Andy Dalton, but Jameis Winston and definitely a lot more interesting of a person to talk to more animated, more, just more interesting things to say. You don't feel like you're just getting, you know, typical player rhetoric out of him. Yeah. I do kind of wish that we could still talk to Jameis every week. Like, like we still can, like we can go up to the locker room, but like, yeah. I wish that he was made available every week so that we could go talk to him. Cause it is kind of weird. It's like, we can go have conversations with him, but he can't have like, you know, it, it's different. There's, there's differing things where you want to go and just ask him like straight up football questions. And it's like, you, you're only going to, you know, so you can go up and have a conversation, but it's like, I'm not going to have a full interview with a guy um, when he's changing in the locker room, you know? Like there are very few instances where that's appropriate, but no, it would, I, I do miss talking to Jameis because he had some of the most fun interviews, I, whether he was the starting quarterback or not. Yeah, totally agree. It's like, you know, your entertainment level, Jameis is definitely up there for, for talking to. Yeah. Eric Howard and 9992 RAS talking about Tulane. Yeah. Congratulations to Tulane. Good for them. They beat Cincinnati. They won they're, they're, I don't think they won anything, but they're in the AAC championship for the first time in their history. That's very cool. 
Um, not the greatest division, not the greatest conference in the world, but it's still exciting. Right. You know, UCF won in and they decided they were the national champions. So maybe Tulane can do the same thing. And good news for the wave. Apparently, Willie Fritz is sticking around in town. He's yes, not heading to Georgia Tech. They, he pulled a Lane Kiffin. The, yes. It got reported that he was leaving, and he was like, I want to make you wrong so much that I will turn down this job. It's pretty amusing, right? I saw Lane just got an extension. Yeah, yeah. He's going to take the Auburn job next year. <laughs> There's Paul E. Fields. Don't waste your money. He's talking about me going to Atlanta. He says, don't waste your money, brother, on the trip. Just watch it on TV. LSU is not going to beat Georgia and Atlanta. Guess what? I'm not paying for it. <laughs> That's the great thing about working in sports media. They pay for you to go. So I agree. LSU's going to get manhandled. And the funny thing is, we I booked the trip and like I booked the hotel and the flight prior to them losing to Texas A&M because I figured, well, once they play Texas A&M and win, right. those flights are going to go through the roof. And so I was like, I'm going to be smart. I'm going to get it ahead of time. And so now they lost to Texas A&M. That takes a lot of the air out of the balloon. But it's still like LSU winning the SEC championship in year one of the Brian Kelly area. That's still massive. So it's still worth going to cover. But it does it does make it a lot less enjoyable because like odds are they're going to get blown out. And it's just no the whole, the, the whole feeling around Brian at the end of the month. <laughs> The feeling around Brian Kelly when he first arrived was not good. And obviously, after that Florida State loss, it right. got worse. There was a point where Brian Kelly was getting more criticism than Dennis Allen because the Saints won That's, week one. It seems like eons ago. The Saints won in Atlanta. And then it was like, oh, okay. And then and Brian Kelly lost in the Superdome. Uh, yeah, That's when that. Michael Thomas was still catching touchdowns, too. Yeah. That's when everything was, everything felt sunny and good. It's always sunny in New no, Orleans. It's sunny until it's until the Saints start playing. <laughs> Slack fans. Saints are playing like it's preseason. They're getting their brains beaten. If you look on the sideline, they're laughing and smiling. Am I missing something? No. <laughs> I don't I, I don't know. Like it's I don't expect the players to be over there like crying and like staring at the ground. You know, they're they're human beings. But I, I don't I don't know. You can answer this question because you were over there on the sideline. They they take these losses hard. Like it's not like they don't appreciate the weight of losing. Yeah, and I can never like really recall guys cutting up on the sideline being unnecessary gleeful while you know this, you know, they're they're down in the game. And to me, even this game against the Niners, they had a tough go on offense, but they still didn't get their butts kicked. No. They were very much in this game all the way to the end. Right. And if I was on defense, I would feel good about how I played. Sure. Right. Like, I'm not, if I'm on the defensive side of the ball, I'm not over there like, man, I played like shit. Right. Like, they did a hell of a job on George Kittle. Come on. We didn't even really call his name. Well, like, the the offense gets the ball down to the goal line and then fumbles, and the defense forces a three and out. Right. Like, how how bummed out do you expect them to be over on the sideline? They did their job. You know, they can't go out there and score touchdowns for the offense. Um, so yeah, I mean like, so it's, I don't, I don't take anything too much away from that. You know, maybe someone just said something really funny, you know, like I'm, I'm a big fan of gallows humor. Okay. You know, like you can be really funny in disastrous situations. Sure. Right. Or maybe there's yeah, someone made a remark about the referee's call. Yeah. Right. 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 Like get off your knees. Ref- <laughs> 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 All right. I would laugh. I would laugh anyway. Sorry. Um, <laughs> good thing is the podcast i can't see this stuff on the radio that is honestly one of the better things about doing the podcast is we can say stuff that we would get fined for if we said on the radio definitely a lot more free reign which is great yeah you don't have to worry about oh crap can i say that 
Right. All right. So Chris is your friend and Josh, the Pels fan. They're talking about Caden Ellis saying we cannot let Caden Ellis walk like Trey. And then you could have more Caden Ellis's if you keep fourths through sevenths. I agree with both of these things. I don't think that Caden Ellis is going to get a Trey Hendrickson type contract like he got from the Bengals. I think he's going to get some really solid offers. But yes, the Saints should match those. Because you you know you want to keep that guy in house. You want to keep your young players that you developed in house. And I don't you know if he gets if someone breaks the bank for him, that's one thing. But if like like for example like the contract Von Bell got from the Bengals, like you should be able to match something like that. And I agree, hundred percent. You know, it's like that's why the trading of the back half of your draft board for Adam Troutman bugs me, right? Because like you might have been able to draft Adam Troutman with where you were sitting in the draft, and then you would have had a few more bites at the apple where you might be able to pick up guys. Like It game. almost felt like they were like, ah, I'm done with the draft this year. I do think that in, that, in 2020, that's the year it happened. It was 2020, and they, were very, they weren't very confident in their late-round analysis of players, which I don't think anyone was. It was all guesses. Sure. They didn't get to do any in-person scouting. They weren't able to do anything but Zoom interviews. And so I think that played a role in why they were comfortable doing that. But they also did that this year, right? Like they traded a bunch to move up to get Chris Olave. They traded a bunch to get Trevor Penning, you know, and, and so like that's why your depth is struggling. You don't have young quality depth because you didn't draft it. Paulie Field says, yeah, DeMario sure could retire. He must be getting tired of this mess. I would not be like the energy I've seen from DeMario in the locker room. I would not be surprised if he is if he is thinking about it. I asked him last year at the end of the season, and he said that he was a long way off from retiring. But the player I've seen on the field this year seems a lot closer than 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 he did last year. I uh, see. To me, I, I get that from the locker room, like his attitude and just doesn't look happy. But I feel like his play is still up there still on good. par. He's still good. Um, but it, but it's a very high energy thing, and, and I think that he is a guy that will. He he's not going to retire this season. But losing is not in his DNA at this point in his career. And so that makes you feel old real fast, I think. Paul Field says, hey, where is Marquez Callaway at? I don't think that, you know, with Jarvis back, I think it's tough to get him on the field. Um, yeah, he was inactive again this past game. Yeah. He's not good enough on special teams. I think that's the big issue. They seem to trust Kevin White more. They do. 992 RAS. Roach call was BS because Jimmy was out of the pocket. That is a, That is true. I agree with that. The funny thing is, Jimmy, after the game, called out that hit as a dirty hit. Oh, really? And, I didn't see that. Yes, he did. And and it's like, I don't think he was Malcolm was doing anything dirty. He was just going in. And like the comment says, he was out of the pocket. And you don't have the same low quarterback protections outside of the pocket as you do inside the pocket. So that shouldn't have been a roughing the passer. Whether it was a dirty hit or whatever, it shouldn't have been flagged. Yeah, That's just... All. You know, just more BS that happens on the Saints, but the NFL doesn't have any vendetta against them. No, not at all. Swack fan, how is it as terrible as we are? We are still in playoff contention. I guess they're following the New York Giants blueprint a few years back when they won the Super Bowl, but it won't work for us. I appreciate this comment because the Giants won both of their Super Bowls as being terrible all season and then just showing up at the end of the year, right? Like this is very similar to those teams, those Giants teams that just could not get it figured out and then just got on a roll at the end of the season. And so if you want to be optimistic and you want to think maybe this team has a chance, maybe Andy Dalton is the second coming of the, the Eli Manning. I was going to say, can you really compare Eli to, to Dalton, though? Eh. It's, t- it's a little tough. But yeah. But Eli was never really good. Eli just won big games. 
that's the that's where I would differ him from Andy Dalton is sure right where he, he I think Andy Dalton just from a overall quarterback perspective was probably a better quarterback in terms of what he can do and just his consistency but Eli always showed up in big games and Andy has done the opposite Andy and Kirk Cousins are in the same mold yeah see that's that's a point where uh, that's why I'm interested to see what this team could do with Jameis back. I'm, I'm just so curious just because, I don't know, we've we've seen peak Andy and what he can do, I feel like. And I, I, I just, I still don't think we've seen the heights of Jameis Winston in this offense, honestly. I agree. Um, BB Saints Pels lady, I think we incorrectly said that Byron Leftwich was the head coach of the, of the Bucs. He's the offensive coordinator. Todd Bowles is the head coach of the Bucs. Right. Yeah, I yeah. guess we did say Leftwich. Yeah, I think we said Leftwich earlier. Sorry. That I know like Leftwich was in consideration and he's been in consideration for head coaching jobs. I just mixed the two up in my head. I apologize for that. It is Todd Bowles. But like what we were talking about is, you know, this is a team that could fracture based on, you know, it's a first year head coach and they're struggling and you have a you have a you an actual franchise quarterback. And so yeah, like that's a question I think that exists. All right. Let's do one more question and then we'll have to cut this off. Got to make it a good one for, to close it out. Yes. Here's one. Marvelous. Why do we work so hard to discredit Taysom's accomplishments as QB1? Winning in the NFL as a quarterback is hard, especially going 5-0 and in the division. I don't disagree with that, and I don't discredit. Like I said, I would like to see him get a chance to start at quarterback, but like, like we need to take that 7-2 and in context one of those wins came against the Broncos team that literally didn't have a quarterback, <laughs> right? One of those wins was against the Bucks, a game you won nine to nothing. I'm not exactly going to give the offense credit for that. Another was against the Panthers team that was done. Another was against the Jets team that was done. Another two of them were against the Falcons team, which yes, Taysom Hill owns the Falcons. Falcon. He should be the full time starting quarterback against the Falcons, <laughs> even if he doesn't start against anybody else. So, like, yes, the only good win in that stretch of games out, outside of playing the Falcons came against the Bucks in a game that you won nine to nothing. So like, I'm not trying to discredit him. I'm just saying like, you can't just look at the record and say like, he should be the starter based on that. When any quarterback you threw out there could have beaten the Broncos, probably any quarterback you threw out there could have beaten the Panthers and the, and the, uh, and the jets. Right. So like, I'm not, I don't know. Like, I, I wouldn't hate to see him get a chance, but like, I don't think this team would be better if he was the quarterback. No. And obviously, you talk about complimentary football all the time. That defense that he had was pretty damn impressive back then, too. Yeah. Here's one more TBN Snake by Dennis Allen needs to move as the head coach before we do anything else. And uh, that's not even one. AG Dennis Allen makes Jim Hazlitt look like Vince Lombardi. Wow. We went, went there. Going full full Hazlitt. Who had a worse record, Hazlitt or Ditka? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> You're putting me in a bind here. Probably had to have been Ditka, I think. But anyway, I, I understand. I understand all the grief that Dennis Allen is getting, and I hate to tell folks though, it's the change ain't coming. It's not coming this year, and I doubt it's going to be coming for next year either. So, since you asked, Jim Hazlitt as the Saints head coach. Yes. 45 and 51. His best year was 10 and 6. That was his first year. And then he had one other winning season. Yeah, he went to the playoffs. Yes. He had one, got to the playoffs once. They lost in the divisional round to the Minnesota Vikings. 
Mike Ditka. As the Saints head coach, he was 15 and 33. <laughs> six and 10, six and 10, three and 13. That's, that's rough. along the lines of Dennis. Yeah. That's that's rough. As as someone who didn't grow up here, I, I I didn't even realize that Mike Ditka was the head coach of the Saints. That's how bad it was. Like that's how irrelevant the Saints were at that point. Like I was a I was an NFL fan at that point, but I'd never at no point was I forced to like be aware of who the Saints head coach was. Well, it was just a huge deal too. Obviously, the trade for Ricky Williams and then the photo on I think it was Sports Illustrated with the the wedding dress, right? Yeah, yeah, that was a weird that was a weird time. Set the franchise back years. Marvelous. Jameis has been blown out by the Panthers twice. This is true. I cannot contend with this. But Jameis isn't the quarterback either. And I think that you, if you look at the team that the Saints played in week two, which was, I I believe, 1-0 at that point. I think they started that season 3-0. It was a very different team from what the, the they played in week 15 or week 16 or whatever it was. But no, I, I understand what you're saying. I get it. Jameis was also he had he, he was a hurting man this week this year yeah in that game yeah he had he had like a broken back and a broken foot and yeah no I understand I understand they moved on from Taysom Hill as the quarterback and so it's like I'm not trying to discredit him I'm just trying Jameis. to explain why they did that you said they moved on from Taysom yeah and Jameis but oh, like okay, yeah. they yes why they why we're trying to discredit Taysom Hill and that's not what I'm trying to do I'm just trying to explain why they did what they did and I think that it was a, not an unreasonable thing. But yeah. Yeah, to not even have him in the QB competition in camp was a was definitely a smack in the face. I appreciate they didn't just lead him on, right? Like pretend right, sure. that he had a chance even though they knew he didn't. I if they if you didn't if you weren't going to give him a chance to be the starting quarterback, at least don't pretend that he has a chance to be the starting quarterback right like so in that sense i i think that they did him a service by allowing for the offseason to occur without you know that annoying question being asked yeah and to me i mean i I was really appreciating i I mean it was it was the rams defense as well and they were a hurting squad but you did have a guy like aaron donald there anyway i I thought that the saints offense kind of was finding its stride with that combination of of Dalton and Hill, but that just that, that didn't seem to be the case in San Fran. Yeah, you can't do it every week like that. It's not gonna, you know, like it, it's one of those things you got to catch people with off guard. I think, and it just didn't work in San Fran. I mean, like it, Taysom was the guy who threw that ball to Chris Olave, right? Yeah, like so, like that's the thing everyone forgets about. Is like he was involved in the passing game, and. The 30-yard pass he completed to Chris Olave didn't count because Chris Olave couldn't hold on to it, and the refs decided that they wanted to go crazy in that moment. So, like, they they were using him. I don't know what else to say. No, and and uh, we talked about it, too. They did use him as a runner, or, you know, in the run game, too. It worked. But he was just getting his ass kicked. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us here on Inside Black and Gold. It's been our mailbag edition, getting ready for Week 13 against the Bucks. It's been a good time. Not the happy stuff. Happy stuff, USA, USA. I believe that we will win something I can't say about the Saints anymore. But hey, it's never over until it's over. Not in the NFC South, baby. Not in the NFC South. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for listening. It's been Inside Black and Gold. Check back after the game on Monday for our post-game pod. A reaction on how the Saints are so close to the NFC South title. They can taste it. Okay. (laughs) 
was that? Are you slurping? That was gross. Yeah, that was like my that was like a terrible uh, Silence of the Lambs Hannibal Lecter right there. Yeah, this is like this, like some weird ASMR podcast. Um, <laughs> all right. On that note, thanks, y'all. Be easy. Later.